So Sarah Palin certainly excited the Tea Party movement. Why do you think that is? I think what she believes on a fiscal conservative basis overlaps almost on top of what the Tea Party movement is. She's not afraid to stand on the Christian values that this country was founded on. I think she really cares about our country. She's sincere. Has she encouraged you in any way? Oh, yes. She's my buddy on Facebook. <laughs> and uh, I, I've been uh, to a dinner with Sarah Palin before. This would not be the first one. She's such a good woman, family-wise. and. And I believe everything I've heard from her. After she signed up to be my friend on Facebook, 16 congressmen sent out to be my friends on Facebook. Most of Fox News sent out to be my friends. Welcome to another episode of Z-List Radio. This is Ro Hurley, and I'm here with my co-host, Chris Otto. Good evening, Chris. Good evening. Here we have a special guest. Uh, he's been a previous guest on our show, Chase Whiteside from New Left Media. Welcome, Chase. Hi. Hello. Now, just so everyone knows, Chase um, is responsible for a lot of the a lot of the viral videos of um, the Sarah Palin book signing and the Tea Party event, and um, and your latest one was the Tea Party convention. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. And where was that? That was at Opryland Hotel in Nashville. You know, it's at the, it's at this hotel in Nashville that is this humongous. I mean, it's the size of a gigantic mall and inside they have water fountains and yeah. fake jungles and fake restaurants it's really wild it had a funny name too it's Opryland. Opryland. no it's not Opryland. Yeah. it is Gaylord Opryland. Opryland oh, it's the, Gaylord. the, the Gaylord. Gaylord yeah the Gaylord yeah. Yeah. it's it's uh it's actually a chain they have one of those out here too but um but so you you drove from Cincinnati right well, we had a funny story. Uh, I'll just run briefly. We ended up greyhounding out. We were going to cover the Democratic winter meeting in D.C., but the snowstorm hit. So then we ended up having to Amtrak to NYC and fly to Nashville and then greyhound home. So it was quite a trip to get there. Wow. Now, um, now, do you, why do you think uh, the the weather is so extreme? Global warming, or or according to Drudge, it's not global warming, right? Well, I'm no I'm no scientist, but I don't think these people are who are calling it not global warming are either. And uh, for people to look at the weather like this and say that you know this is a sign that there isn't global warming is pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, now you know. Speaking of that, speaking of Drudge, I do want to talk about your Tea Party convention. But do you mm -hmm. think that Drudge is a self-hating homosexual? Yes. <laughs> well, I've never <laughs> I've never even considered that. No, but uh. Yeah, uh, it, it would make sense based on some of his posts. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, because he was in. I read an interview with him in Out. What is it? Out magazine, I think. <laughs> and um, and I didn't know he was gay, and and yeah. I guess he's he's very quiet about that on his website. But it seems like a lot of the a lot of the articles and policies would would technically be what I would consider against homosexual rights. Yeah, well, he certainly, it's, it's you know, it's Andrew Sullivan, who who is, I shouldn't compare to him, but also has some of these sort of libertarian ideas yeah. uh, that verge on being, you know, anti-hate crimes laws, anti-employment, non-discrimination acts. So certainly, but there's there's a debate even within the gay community as to which which of those policies we, we think we're, we should push for and which we shouldn't. So it's, it's, it's complicated, but he certainly takes the conservative viewpoint every time. Definitely. Can I ask you some questions about your last video? Yeah, yeah let's, let's get into it. Okay, first of all, Orly Tates. Um, she's a realtor. <laughs> yeah. She's a dentist. She's uh, whatever attorney. you'd like her to be. Yes, an attorney <laughs> on the bar somewhat. 
kind of. Yeah. Um, uh, why are these people attracted to her and Sarah Palin? Is it like the dumbing down of society or is it the well, second Well, you know, funding? I think Sarah, Sarah Palin's attraction is, is a media attraction, whereas to to spout progressive politics and liberal politics takes quite a bit of work. You know, suggesting a change to the healthcare systems requires that you talk about national exchanges or whether how the public option will be paid for if there even is one. So it's very complicated to push forward compl- complex ideas and complex reform. It's very simple to come and say, you know, I want to work for real America and make things right and stand up for, you know, you spout these simple sound bites that don't really have any substance, don't mean much. And people feel endeared towards her. They feel that she's sincere, that she understands them because she's got a family. And uh, as for Orly Tate, I think that's a separate thing. You know, I think that, if anything, the liberal media loves Orly Tate. And uh, certainly she yes. has her defenders on the right. But uh, I think I she's a her. gift to Exactly, her, right? yeah. Well, we all love her. Yeah, big she's fan of Orly Tate, definitely. <laughs> but let me ask you a question. You said that, like, kind of like, it's not a dumbing down, but it's like that one, you asked one person, like, what are your views? Mm-hmm. I forget your exact question. And she just turned around and let you read her T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what I believe. It's on the back of my shirt. Go ahead and read it. Tell me what it says. Yeah. Do you, I well, mean, I got to be the, honest, you know, I got to be clear about editing here too. You know, we, that's not the beginning of our conversation is her okay. turning around and showing us her shirt. Um, okay. And Fox news. But is absolutely. Kind of she did use media. it. To, yeah. Well, she did. She did use it to uh, just sort of give us, you know, her shirt was adequate to tell us everything we needed to know about her because it just had uh, very simple uh, talking points, cut spending, return to constitutional government. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's this idea that – Was the that, shirt made uh, in China? It, well, <laughs> you know, I don't know, but most of them have homemade T-shirts, actually. I think I think they're domestic-made shirts. So, <laughs> well, I mean, if you go to these Tea Party events, they all have homemade T-shirts on that they've made on their home printers and stuff. It's pretty it's, – uh, What that goes crafty. to is a bigger question is how can yeah. – I don't want to use the words we and they, but like how can progressives deal with the the bumper sticker mentality of these people? Like we can't say, okay, the GDP has increased so much percentage on a bumper sticker. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, we also can't talk about the importance of having a national exchange or a public option on a bumper sticker. Right. And I think the res- what the response shouldn't be is to do something like create a, a liberal Fox News. The response shouldn't be to create MSNBC because then we're reducing the discourse to bumper sticker logic and to, you know, tabloid driven sort of co- conflict and gossip uh, within our politics. What we should do is attack the, you know, the discourse. We should attack the form. We should attack this idea that politics should be discussed on cable news on these half an hour news shows. The Obama administration has realized this. You know, they, they tried to come in and say, you know, the media loves conflict and Fox News isn't a news channel. And, of course, the very people who depend on that conflict and that presentation of the news for their profits. Because, again, these news networks, these 24-hour news networks operate solely for entertainment purposes. And right, and, money, they're, and know, the ratings went up after the White House uh, press secretary said that. Of course. So it's you know there's no good uh, the the way to fight it is is with a uh, I'd like to, it's hard to say an academic discourse viewpoint against this type of media but there should be a you know the blogging community uh, outlets that aren't cable news should be uh, saying we should stop taking cable news seriously and that'll require that we have uh, a discourse that's rooted not in cable television but a discourse that's rooted in conversation and and long longer texts that people are reading, and then that's an area we can present complex issues and do a much better job than cable. But that goes back to my question. We're dealing with Americans, basic Americans. Mm-hmm. If they're latching on to Sarah Palin, they're latching on to Orly Tate's, 
Will a complex message conceive, will that work? John Kerry was a complex well, message. That, in fact, if you look yeah. in John Kerry, if you look that up in the dictionary, it says complex message. <laughs> we don't have that. that. We had yes, we can, and we had black guy for president, we won. And well, I think that has a lot to do with why Obama was successful, but I, I have to give Obama some credit for at least pushing through and trying to, uh, trying to get in, you know, uh, relatively complex ideas about reform and legislation Absolutely. within these speeches that were packaged. And, and, you know, he's just a great orator, so he can sound right. very reasonable presenting something complex. Uh, but the problem is, you know, you may have an hour one week with Barack Obama when he presents this, you know, well-put, articulate ideas about how to reshape a, a major uh, part of the United States economy being healthcare, And it's not going to do anything if that same day you spend an hour with Rush Limbaugh, half an hour with Glenn Beck, another hour with Bill O'Reilly. And, it, so and then an hour know, with the pharmaceutical corporations. Oh, of course. Of yes. course, and, and, and with advertising and everything else. So is what, what can the solution be? Well, there's a fundamental problem of education. People just aren't aren't reading enough to begin with, so that's why they want they get their news from entertainment and, and schools we should be having civics courses. And I, I know, you know, I think to us in the Tea Party, we could agree on that. We could agree that we should be teaching about our founding fathers to some degree and about government and about how it functions. So uh, if we increase education and people are uh, speaking about politics more, and um, we spend less time watching American Idol, and when we do watch politics, watching it on those same networks, I think we can we can have an, an elevated discourse, and that, that's inherently going to be progressive. You say that, but in a highlight of your last video was mm -hmm. Sarah Palin, sans crib sheets, sans everything, standing right. there and saying, look, we're going to try these people. We're going to show due process to the law. We're going to present that around the world, and that's going to be somehow bad. And what we don't want as a president right now, and this was a Fox News alert. How many people right. were listening to her right then, between 500 and 1,000? Well, we don't know, but what we do know is that every night Fox gets more viewers than CNN, Headline News Channel, right. MSNBC, and the three major alert. networks combined. It was yeah. a lot. Her to say that Palin, Palin said that Obama, what we don't want right now in the office is a law professor. She went out of her way right. to say that, and you went out of your way to highlight that as a Fox News yeah. alert. Because it's a crazy thing to say. No. Right, and all these people want the Constitution. They don't realize that it was written by law professors and lawyers, or that's right, highly educated. Row, you want to? Yeah, I was going to say, do, do we know that she didn't have anything written on her hand? Did you get close? Well, she. <laughs> well, she. Well, no. I, I. You know, we only could afford one ticket to get him. We didn't want to uh, give too much money to the RNC or gotcha. Sarah Palin or whoever that money goes to, gotcha. but. Uh, well, you know, it, whether she had anything written on her hand or not, is, I, I don't know. You know, it, it seems strange for her to have those answers in advance of the questions, because if she's truly going to be some sort of intellectual thinker or mind or leader, she should have those. But what, what you bring up is a good point. There, it's, when I'm saying education is the solution, it makes, of course, then the responses that ac academia and academics and elitism, as they, as they sort of refer to it uh, <laughs> rather ironically, uh, is this is a bad thing? You know, they they view it as a bad thing. They paint it as a bad thing. So you see people saying, you know, you don't need to be. You have a guy talking that's not Sarah Palin saying you don't need to be a PhD. You don't need to be all of these things. And then you have people saying, you know, we need to return to our roots and our founding fathers. Not realizing that, of course, as you're pointing out, our founding fathers were highly educated people who were, you know, writing incredibly complex law when they came up with that with the Constitution and our founding documents. So it's it's exactly. an irony. Um, I'm not sure, you know, I know the best solutions 
of uh, what to point out as a documentarian. I, I, I do what I can to point it out that that's what's happening. But you do it well. I'm not sure uh, I have the best answers. You have the best cuts. Uh, can I ask you one more question? Yeah. Sure. And I'll let Ro take it from here. It's usually her show, but I'm totally taking over. Yeah, I'm no, gonna, that's cool. You're doing great. Doing great. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, the other point of that whole Sarah Palin Fox News alert thing mm-hmm. was that they're p- totally they. I said it again, and the Republicans are totally politicizing terrorism and using Dick Cheney going out saying that we're not right. doing all of that. They're totally politicizing terrorism. Do you think if we did that in 2004, terrorism, not the war in Iraq and the quagmire we were in there, but just actual terrorism as a whole, the way we were, that we were dealing with terrorists and exposing what they're doing, is it dangerous or is it very dangerous? Well, it's what it is is it's, it's really hypocritical. You have to remember John, George Bush criticized John Kerry when John Kerry discussed or even tried to uh, illustrate disagreements with George Bush on the quote-unquote war on terror and the war in Iraq. He said that when you, when you send a mixed message to the enemies, you embolden the terrorists, you embolden the enemies. Those were George Bush's words, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but they were along those lines. He's saying, you know, you embolden the enemies by sending a mixed message. This is what he said about some, a candidate who disagreed with him in a political election. So now to think that when uh, Barack Obama, who has made, you know, I don't know what sort of changes they think has gone on within our intelligence communities. He's, if only, the only thing he's done is step up the pressure for them to gain intelligence earlier, not decrease it. And, and, and finding that there was a problem within the system, it's not like in the nine months or ten months Obama was in office to shape that system. He shaped it so radically that we allowed the underwear bomber to get on that plane. I don't think that's what happened. I think that the system that existed there when he got into office. We call that the out, Christmas bomber now. Oh, the Christmas bomber. Stick Christ in <laughs> the there. Christ- well, well, sure. And that's maybe that's a. Yeah, and that's another narrative within our piece. These people right. keep painting Obama as anti-Christian, anti-American. Mm-hmm. But when you get these, uh, uh, when you politicize it like that, and you politicize national security, you fir- it's first assuming that Obama had anything to do with the national security infrastructure's failures, and that it was the, or that it was a different system than George Bush has in place, which I don't think is true. And most of these people say George Bush kept us safe. It's like, well, his system is the one that probably failed. I don't think. A, you know, the way the slow pace, the way bureaucracy works, I don't think he remade the intelligence community, and there's no science that he did dramatically. Uh, well, Biden, the other thing is that Biden said that, they, like, Biden said a lot of claims, though, on the last time he was on Meet the Press this Sunday. Right. He was saying that 70% since 2000, and I think he said six, 70% of the highest leader of Al Qaeda was killed. Yeah. Well, a lot of the successes of you know, the only thing we can point to within this administration on a tactical level, as in on the ground in Afghanistan where they're fighting the Taliban on the Pakistan border, the only thing we can point to is our successes. Uh, now, I, I don't personally agree with the surge in Afghanistan, of, but the idea that – and, the, and I, neither do the conservatives at the convention. You know, they all praise that as a good decision, but, or they, they praise it as a good decision. They have problems with that. Uh, don't have problems with escalating Afghanistan, but they, but they still criticize as if – you know, he's messed up the system. When only we can point to successes there on the ground and in our home country, you know, I don't think that the uh, – I think they said they got 20 of the top 100 leaders or something of Afghanistan is what right. Biden was saying on the news. You know, who they knows can say how much anything, that actually, I agree. Yeah, I can say anything. Who knows anything about whether we credit that success to the uh, plans put into motion under George Bush or whether the ones that Obama's just come in and changed. I right. don't know, but, but we can't. If you're hearing it from Ari Fleischer 
or if you're hearing it from Gibbs, who would you believe more? <laughs> who would I believe more? Yeah, you know, Larry I don't Fleischer think I, or I, Gibbs? I don't. I don't know that I would answer. I, I'd say. I'd say that no matter who I. I I'd question the very print, the setup and framework of how they're making their statistics. You know, a <laughs> hundred of the most major leaders of Al Qaeda. It's like, well, you know, where is this list, and can we see it ahead of time? And I, you <laughs> sure. know, I don't know if I'd trust either of them more yeah, than the other. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. Because yeah, it, well, it, and when you start giving lists of 100 people and ranking like that, you're marketing war. It, you know, you're yeah, not, he's in he's in charge of aerobics, right? But. Yeah. But the whole message was uh, that Biden was trying to portray on Meet the Press was that uh, the key words that he said that in my mind were he's either mis- – about Dick Cheney. He's either misinformed or misinforming. Which do you believe he's doing? Do you think he's misinformed or do you think he's in misinforming? Well, I think he's both. I think he – I don't think Dick Cheney thinks he's getting up there and lying. I don't think that most of the people – uh, most conservatives think they're lying. I think that what they believe is it's just a flaw in logic. So in the sense that is he misinformed? Well, however the same information was given to him, it was given to him in a way that uh, within a narrative that was prefabricated, preexisted, and just offers a different understanding. You know, it's hard. You know, I, I'm not someone who can say Dick Cheney is clearly stupid. You know, I don't think Dick Cheney is stupid. I'll do it right I now. I think that he is – well, I think that he's got a warped, uh, very different logic, one that – uh, is this sort of cowboy idea of American diplomacy. And I think that actually his philosophy of being highly aggressive in, in other countries and going through and being nation-building and invading other countries, I think that creates more terrorism. I think that creates a worse attitude towards the United States. Yeah. I think that uh, when we know Guantanamo Bay has been a recruiting tool and they're posting pictures of the people who've had different types of experiences and torture at Guantanamo Bay and they're using that to recruit, how can we point to how can we point to Dick Cheney and that philosophy as a success if it's propagating terrorists uh, on an illiteral sense, you know? So I don't know that. So I think do you, do you think waterboarding or, might be better than due process? I mean, let's me? take no. yeah, two subjects. Would you rather see the terrorists tried in New York under due process of American law, or do you think we should waterboard them? Well, of course, yeah, they should be answer. tried under due process law. Okay. You know, the idea that we, if we are going into these other countries, if we are going into Iraq, for instance, and saying the way you treat your people is unacceptable, so that's why we're coming in here to remake your government uh, the way we see it should be remade. And in doing that, we treat their people just as bad, if not worse. I don't, it's totally inconsistent with we any idea. We use that. We, we use weapons of mass destruction, we didn't use human. We didn't well, use we only used that for so long. We only used that for so long. You know, we never the, the used weapons human of mass rights. destruction. Nobody cares about well, the, human rights. the Bush administration had to use human rights in its later defense. And, and in fact, Barack Obama even, and in the Democratic debates, you had Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, all of these things saying, I have no doubt that Iraq is a better place now that uh, <laughs> Saddam Hussein, who committed human rights atrocities, is gone. So it's been used by our, our politicians as human rights abuse. That, of course, wasn't Bush's first justification. But it became his in his later years in office and other and other politicians as well. And I say, if it's true that we're going there for human rights abuses and we're committing worse human rights abuses, that's contradictory. Certainly right. doesn't represent an American ideal. It's certainly nothing we should be exporting. Well, let's pretend that like Obama, he stepped into office, 
and he decided not to bomb all the civilians and all that shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he's not committing human rights violations. He's actually conducting right. the war on terror in, in, in a very well manner. Um, and we end up winning both wars. You think he will win re-election? You know, I think that the American public will be convinced how we did in either of those wars one way or another without a huge amount of weight given to the reality of those successes or non-successes. I think the election will depend mostly on economic issues and uh, whatever the political narrative and marketing of the branding of Democrats and Republicans in the Obama administration is. I I don't believe our elections are actually about substance more at all. Uh, But I do think that uh, within uh, conservative ranks and within the national uh, security infrastructure that we have, Obama's going to learn a lot, of, earn a lot of respect if he gets away of the aggressive tactics that were used under the previous uh, previous administration and can cite not just the same amount of success but even more success on those fronts. And I think he will. Uh, again, I don't think the surge was the best idea uh, or a necessary idea. Um, but if the surge comes back, and I think it was a calculation Obama made not because of politics, but he made it because he truly believed that it would allow us to end our mission and pull out with the least amount of human uh, American lives lost. I don't know what the calculation is in actual human lives. And so that's, that's, that's his calculation. That's his decision to make as the commander in chief. Um, I don't find it cynical as I found the Bush administration's tactics. So I don't know how the American people are going to, uh, vote one way or another depending on how the war goes but I don't think that'll be the major issue for them either way so the economy is going to be the major issue yeah I think the economy and just personality politics and the usual things that the economy could go either way but it depends on how people are going to view you know who they're going to hold responsible are, are they going to hold the previous administrations responsible for what was you know a hot potato economy where it landed on Obama and he had you know, collapsed under him regardless of what he did, or will they review it as Obama reaching too far and, you know, tearing our economy to the ground? I, I don't, I think that the, no matter how the economy turns out, it's going to depend on what the media narrative is and how things are marketed, which is generally how I feel about most of our politics. Sure. To steer you back to what you actually do in that interview mm-hmm. people sure. at incredible situations, um, have yeah. you ever been assaulted or spit on? Well, yeah, yeah we were chased in a car. Did they ever realize? In our, a tea, the Tea Party, a Tea Party guy that was at the end of our John Boehner video where we talked about healthcare. Uh, John Boehner said he had, did, couldn't find a single American who supported the public option. There were a lot of people in his yeah. district who came out and said, "Well, we support the public option, and we're your constituents." So we covered that, and a, a Tea Party guy who we interviewed at the end who said, "My opinion doesn't have to be based on facts." After we interviewed him, he actually chased us in his car. And it was a pretty it wasn't that it wasn't even that negative of an interview. I. You know, I've had a lot worse ones, not had any problems, but he chased us in his car. We ended up having to pull into a post office and, you know, he didn't follow us then. But so other than that, though, no, for the most part, it's been most people we walk away from, they don't realize they said anything crazy or that we wanted anything crazy. Because we don't necessarily want crazy things, but that's usually what, what happens. Um, so no, not, not too bad other than the one guy. Yeah. What about Orly Tate? Let's talk about her a little bit more. Sure. Um, so when I was watching your video, I almost lost my shit when, when you had her <laughs> saying, man, I, I realized she's like toys in the attic, batshit 
in fucking sane when she said you asked her if she'd ever worked with Sarah Palin before, been with yeah. Sarah. She said, "Oh, I've been to lots of lunches like this. In other words, lunches she paid to go to." But also then she said, "Oh, and we're friends on Facebook." Now, Sarah mm-hmm. Palin has 1,370,923 friends on Facebook. So, my question is, how did you keep a straight face? <laughs> I would have well, lost it. You know, it's it's a I get that question a lot for a lot of different interviews. And to be honest, and this time I I deserve no credit. I couldn't hear her. Oh, <laughs> it was incredibly loud. The mic was up. I was having a hard time. You know, Facebook. What what is she saying? Cause she she was speaking very quietly. She's got a very thick accent. So I I was having a hard time hearing what she was saying. And in the editing room, we pulled it up, and she's going, and all these people out of me on Facebook. What she actually says though, yeah, she's, is that she says she has sixteen. That Sarah Palin added her. Oh. Yeah. Please. And that all these people out of there after this all pale on. Who knows, though, you know. But, but she, and she's a wild character. <laughs> but she also said she had, like, oh, I have 16 senators as friends. Yeah. And, is, like, Facebook is some big personal, you know. Um... Yeah. It was very funny. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, that was, that was amazing that you guys got to talk to her. Now, what impression did you have of her? Well, she is – you know, it's hard to say. I feel like she's being sincere. And, I, and I, you know, she's been on The Daily Show before, and John Stewart was all excited and ready to really rip into her. And by the end of the interview, it was like, you know, she sort of got away by just being sincere and earnest about her concerns. Um, at the same time, we know that she's charged a lot of her personal expenses have gone to these donations that have got for her to pursue these further conspiracies. Uh, if you re- do any research on her, you'll find she's got a whole bunch of other conspiracies. She's, she believes that um, a bunch of gays in Barack's, a bunch of gay people in Barack's hometown or at his church were murdered, which the implicit suggestion would be that Obama killed off his gay lovers, right? <laughs> so her, her conspiracies run much deeper than the ones that she's known in the public for, the ones that she can get on Fox News spouting. Uh, but uh, she seems sincere, but, you know, I mean, that's what she gets paid for, right? Yeah, definitely. But, you know, it. she's like an animated cartoon character to me. It's true. So yeah. so what else stood out during the Tea Party convention? I was trying to get a grip on that guy that was dressed up in the colonial attire in the beginning. Mm-hmm. What, was he making a mockery of it, or was he actually a fan of Sarah Palin's? I, it seemed Very like... much a fan of Palin's. Oh. He was... Uh... You know, you have these people who go there and they and this is at all the Tea Party events and they dress up and I think in our other Tea Party video we have someone dressed up as well. And they dress up as the founding fathers and it's part of this glorification and romantic view of the origin, the, the personality origins of our country. But, you know, most of those people had slaves. Most of those people were, uh, you know, marrying 14-year-old girls when they were in their 40s. Most of right. they were, I mean, there, was, there wasn't electricity, there weren't modern hospitals, there wasn't a modern healthcare system, there weren't federally funded highways. And so the idea that you can go back to those times and find all of the answers for how we should do things now, is crazy, you know. And, uh, yeah. and, they, and they, of course, they manifest that literally when they dress up in costume and come out and uh, to romanticize that period. But, you know, he was sincere. He was sort of a one-man entertainer. I don't, he wasn't put there by the convention, but he was certainly having a good time. Huh. A lot of press. He was on the front page of the New York Times as well. So. Ah. Yeah, I saw that. Now, what about yeah. the guy? There was the guy that was draped in the flag that said, don't tread on me. Right. I guess another character, uh, huh? 
Well, certainly bringing more color. You know, what made this event so much different than the 9-12 March and other Tea Party events is that they held media training workshops the night before. So they were really focused on getting people to look good and sound good on camera to not be, uh, you know, the Tea Party characters that have appeared not only in our previous videos but in other videos that are saying the craziest things and, and, and just having flags and all these things and looking just really graphically crazy. And so there was this media training workshop, and they tried to cut out most of the press. They finally, after a lot of criticism, let some press in. And we, we couldn't get in as press. We got rooms in the hotel. We got a room in the hotel, and then we were able to just get access that way. Uh, but we weren't able to actually officially get in as press. It was very, very close. Ah. And uh, so these, you know, it's why this video is much more subtle. You don't see too many people who are dressed up or look a certain way. But the guy with the flag, don't tread on me, which we see this, you know, don't tread on me at a lot of different Tea Party events. Um, you know, he was, he's in the video, he speaks, he's probably the most eloquent person we talked to. So uh, it's hard to, you know, you think you see someone draped in a flag running around, they must be, right? You finally found the craziest person. But that, uh, for this particular event, wasn't the case. So. Wow. Now, what do you think of, um, now, earlier this week, we interviewed um, Shirley Phelps Roper. You know who she is, mm -hmm. right? From uh, uh, No, I don't. She's a Westboro Baptist Church spokesperson. Oh, uh, right. the God hates fags, people. Well, you guys and, really interview them all, don't you? Yeah, we we let everyone on, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but Chris had asked her, um, what did she think of Sarah Palin, and and her answer was actually, I I got a kick out of it. What she said was, I think uh, America deserves someone like Sarah Palin, <laughs> a bimbo. <laughs> That's what she called her. <laughs> but um, yeah. But yeah, do you think Amer that America, do you think we're such simpletons that we deserve someone like Sarah Palin? Well, I don't know if I think that all of the people who are suffering under the weight of our of our broken top-down economy, which has left the wealthiest or with the wealthiest employed with most of our money, I don't know if they deserve to suffer under a simpleton economy because what that serves is it serves our, you know, the people who have a financial interest in keeping our discourse simple. Uh, which is, you know, the billions of dollars spent lobbying our government every year. You know, they have no problem allowing us to pass nominal laws, not pass reforms, not do anything complex and scare us into this idea of exactly. uh, reducing government spending and privatizing everything. Right. So I think that I don't I don't think that the people who are suffering from that, even even the conservatives who are suffering from that, I don't you know, I, the word deserve is so strong for me you know, to say, no, I don't think that even if they're even, do uneducated people or or people who don't understand our, our government deserve the ramifications of a misunderstood government. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I'd say no. I'd say that what what we what it does though is it heightens the responsibility of people who are paying attention to do something about it. You know, right. uh, whether and 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 this doesn't even have to be to do something about it as a liberal or as a progressive. Uh, there should be conservatives. There should be libertarians. People who have reasonable uh, feelings about the proper size of government and that it should be limited. There are reasonable people on both sides of that debate. That should be coming out and having a reasonable discussion. But our Congress isn't doing that. Our government isn't doing that. Our media isn't doing that. This is a broken. You report the sound bites of one side. You report the sound bites of another side. You got yourself a news story, and that's what people digest. Right. So it's, uh, there is no discussion anymore. Yeah. Now, um, can you give me an update? Because I, the health care bill stuff. Mm -hmm. Seriously, I get so frustrated and impatient with the lack of progress on it that I don't like to hear about it or read about it. 
and I, I just kind of wait for someone to summarize, to kind of weed through yeah, all the sure. BS and summarize it for me. So can you give us a, give me a, a rundown on what's going on with the health care bill? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll just I'll preface by saying if most people would just wait and, and not pay attention, we'd probably have the poll numbers for reform still a lot higher. I think people have become really frustrated and uh, with the process. It's it's become an arduous one full of uh, a lot of individual bill, not just uh, when we're talking about Ben Nelson's uh, provision that allowed him extra Medicare funding for his state that was in the final Senate version that passed. Uh, but when we talk about a lot of these deals that have gone on that are very specific to get the bill passed, people are disillusioned with both the Democrat, with the Democratic Party as well as for Republicans for obstructing it. And that's why that's what's driven the poll numbers so low for this attempted reform. Where it's at right now is after uh, the Tea Party endorsed candidate, uh, Scott Brown in Massachusetts, took a seat that has been held by Ted Kennedy for you know, 40 years, more than that. I'm not quite sure how long. Yeah. Uh, whose goal of his life was health care reform. And this is in a state, ironically, that if they already has universal health care reform. So they, they weren't going to lose anything by, you know, not getting national health care put through. And, and actually, they would have their system would have been a little worse. But for the most part, it was a different debate there. They weren't worried about being the vote to make or break health care as Massachusetts voters. They already had universal health care. So it's a profound irony that Massachusetts senator would come in in Ted Kennedy's seat from a state that already has universal health care to block health care for the rest of the nation. But that's what's sort of happened. We've lost, we have to get a filibuster-proof majority in the Senate to get any legislation passed. The Senate already passed a bill. The House already passed a bill. And what normally happens here is they would go into this process where the bills would be merged, and then either body would vote on them again, or one of the other bodies would agree to pass the other body's bill. No way the Senate's going to pass the House bill. And the House increasingly says, we're not going to pass this version the Senate passed. So the options are to use reconciliation, which is a process through which we can get just 51 votes in the Senate to pass legislation, to pass a, uh, some changes to the Senate bill that then the combined bill, the Senate bill with the changes, the House would agree to vote on. That's right. one option. The other option is that the administration is going to present their own new bill, yet an, yet an undetermined bill, that'll probably look mostly like the Senate version, take out some of those special interest things and, you know, threaten the people who had them in there that, you know, you support this and we'll point out that you, you took that provision earlier and push that through the House and the Senate. And they'll do that with some fanfare and they'll hold these televised bipartisan commission meetings. And do you think that'll be the, Dem do you think that'll be the, the Democrats pretty much their charge on the next election, pretty much saying how much the Republicans are, fighting the stimulus package, but taking credit for what the stimulus package gives to them, the whole disconnect right what there that you just highlighted. Yeah, what is a funny thing? What, what, what we're seeing is they're making, they're forcing Democrats to take all the tough votes, unilaterally voting no and voting down that legislation, and then going to their districts and going to ribbon opening ceremonies, say for the stimulus package where money went to open a place that maybe provided jobs in the districts. They're going to these districts and they're going to the ribbon ceremonies and, and celebrating them as wins for their district, as if that congressional person did anything to get that bill passed when they voted against it. So I, I don't, but will that narrative stick? You know, I don't know, because uh, it's so easy for Republicans to say, well, I lobbied to get that in the bill and I take credit for it being in the bill, but I wasn't going to vote for all these other things that got put in that bill. You know, they say all the, the spending that seemed ridiculous is never yours, right? Uh, so I think that, It'll be easy for them to go to their districts and say, you know, 
that was a this is the project I did support. I didn't support the other project. So I don't know if that's a good democratic narrative. I don't I don't see how the politics are going to work well though. It's it's one thing for on a news show for Rachel Maddow right. the other day to call out a congressman for it and make him look bad on on the on a news show. It's another thing for you know two political candidates to try to explain to the voting public why it is that that would be a concern for them or why he sure. doesn't deserve to take credit. So I don't know. So I think the big debate is going to be. Exactly. I think the big debate is going to be, you know, who's taking tough votes, who isn't, who's refused to take those votes. And we're going to see Obama out in front of the cameras again, as he was when he responded to Republicans and spoke to the House Republicans directly, which he did very well at. We're going to see the administration use executive power to get things done, issue orders for the environment, issue orders to lessen the impact of don't ask, don't tell. Uh, and uh, uh, perhaps a movement on immigration, though I doubt that. Do you think it's possible so, for the Tea Party to become a party, which would be awesome? You know, they like claim they don't want to be. I know. They claim they don't want to be a party. Funded by the but they seem like so diverse. They've got what libertarians. They've got Klan <laughs> mm-hmm. members. They've yeah. got um, they've got Republicans. <laughs> yeah. They've got Baptist religious groups. You'd think that they'd want to create their own little. Party. Yeah, is there a yeah. pack I can well, donate? I, yeah, well, I think I don't. Uh, as for I don't think they're very overwhelmingly racist. They have what we as liberals consider to be like racially insensitive comments they make, but I don't think they're opposed to Obama in any sense in their minds because he's of another race. But they so you don't see the whole like liberals. You don't see the whole birth certificate thing as a racism issue. Well, I think it started as one, but I think a lot of people who bought into it just want to buy into this idea of he's un American. How can you buy into it once you read the facts unless you're a fucking racist? Well, uh, I'll say, how can you buy into it when you read the facts unless you're a fucking idiot, right? Right. Um, uh, And that's that's definitely the case uh, with that issue. That issue is so fringe and so nuts. You know, it's like any any reason. But it's not free. Early was right there at your tea party that Fox News had an alert when Sarah Palin spoke. There well, she was. And she was tea- talking about Fox News and she was talking about how Sarah Palin was friended her on MySpace mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, well, Facebook. I think, you, I think when you look at the numbers, uh, the Tea Party movement is still only supported by about 18 percent of the populace. And uh, the actual active engagement in the Tea Party of that percentage is very small. There were only, you know, there were less than a thousand people at this convention. But what these major national Tea Party events bring is they bring in the fringe. And so the, uh, you know, the problem with the Tea Party is that it encourages fringe ideas. It harbors fringe people and fringe uh, conspiracies like the Berger conspiracy, like Orly Tate's. So I, I, I don't know if the whole movement is, is itself a, a Berger movement in any way. And in fact, many members consider that to be a real distraction. Uh, so this faction, you know, it's a very, it's an infighting movement. I think it's, it's awesome. It's not cohesive in any sense. But Great. you're you're right to to be the the birther stuff is definitely anti this trying to paint Obama as un-American, and it's uh, definitely an extraordinarily uh, uh, it has racial implications certainly from its origins. Uh, I, I wouldn't make the whole Tea Party movement birthers though. I think if we did that, we'd be underestimating them. I think we'd underestimate them in Massachusetts with Scott Brown. We'll underestimate them in 2010 if, if liberals just want to think that they're a bunch of crazed racists who never stand a chance of being cohesive. I don't think that's I don't think that's what's going on here. I think that there's they're still so inclusive as to even be inclusive of those fringe elements, though, and they can be criticized for that, and they should be. Um, 
I was watching one of your videos and uh, you ran into a guy. I don't know if it's, I believe it was a Tea Party event. He was carrying a cross on mm-hmm. his back and he said, yeah. I just happened to be here. Yeah. Um, what would you consider out of all your videos the most powerful of all the statements that the people that you interview make? Or what would you consider your most powerful moment of what you've done as New Left Media? Well, well, the most powerful work I think we've done, when I think of powerful as in, you know, a media powerfully affecting me or something someone does on screen powerfully affecting me, uh, you know, we have positive and negative stuff. And uh, so the the gay rights films we do, uh, the watching the people fight to protect marriage rights in Maine, Maine and then have them taken away. You know, the most powerful stuff for me is when we see when we see two people who just want to get married and, 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 they're, and then the voting public because of bad political posturing and a, and a, and a media discourse that reduces uh, humans to, to a political issue. You know, when you think about gay marriage somewhere, you think about it as numbers and statistics and this political activism, but it's really just people. It's, you know, it's really just normal people who want to get married. They're not political activists necessarily. Maybe they're not pretty political. So for me, the most powerful work we've done is all the work along those lines. At the same time, I think the most, you know, shocking work, uh, uh, things we've seen are just the sentiments that are expressed by people who are within the Tea Party movement and support Sarah Palin being sentiments that are just repeated verbatim from the media. So what's most shocking to me is how often we go out to conservative uh, conservative events and interview conservatives, and they tell us word for word what was said on Glenn Beck or what was said on Rush Limbaugh or uh, an idea of Bill O'Reilly's. And the Tea Party movement is this philosophy manifest. I mean – you have people saying, oh, we're not with one party or the other. We criticize both. They say it all reasonably. That's exactly what Bill O'Reilly says. That's exactly what Glenn Beck says. They both say, you know, well, we're not for one party or another. We just want to look at the, we just want to look at the facts and be reasonable when they're actually to the right of the Republican Party. So I think what's most shocking, what's most moving to me is the gay rights pieces we do, because I think those are victims of this breed of conservatism. And what's most shocking is, is how effective the conservative right-wing media is at getting people to feel emotionally passionate uh, towards politics in a conservative point of view, in in conspiratorially and paranoid way also. Um, So what's next for you guys? You know, we're, we're always working on, we're always working on things. We're always filmmaking is expensive. So we're always fundraising and doing, uh, uh, different things related to that. Well, there's a John Aravosis of America Block has called for. We're happy to get away from Sarah Palin pieces as soon as we can. Although she's coming, she's coming right near us here in about a month, so we may go to that. But oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So for she's doing this anti-abortion national tour with uh, uh, National Right to Life or whatever. But uh, we're going to work on a piece called Don't Ask, Don't Give, which is a call a fundraising boycott to the DN call for the DNC the Obama campaign. Uh, until they actually get real action on any of the myriad of gay issues uh, that were promised to be done in the first year by Obama during the campaign season, most of which is, and you know, that's a complicated politic to navigate. But at the same time, uh, if he doesn't do it before they get into re-election season, if Congress doesn't do it while they have the supermajority, it's never going to happen. And when the Joint Chiefs of Staff are calling for gays to be allowed back in the military. Uh, Actually, don't ask, don't tell could be reversed by executive order. 
Well, so, of course it could. We desegregated the military. Uh, right. We desegregated the military under executive order. And, right. You know, he could issue an order tomorrow that would uh, right. suspend "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" under the. So stop if we put it off for one year to try to get pro- a public option, are you cool with that? Put it, put the health care off for one year, or what? From one year from today, two fifteen. Yeah. Don't ask, well, don't tell. I don't put that on the back burner, but we're going to get a public health option for you. Are you cool with that? Well, I don't think it works like that. You know, they the media wants to frame it as this either either or debate. You know, that we either have to take one or the other. But look, these are totally different committees. These are right. totally different senators that would actually be doing the act. I think those other senators can manage to waddle the way down to the floor to vote every now and then. So I don't I don't think we have to do right, one or the, the other. Same press, the same media that's reporting on this, and they could show gays kissing, mm-hmm. two guys kissing, which really goes to the heart of the conservative and makes them really mad. At, it is, at, but again, 65% of the Republican Party supports overturning Don't Ask, Don't Tell. 78% of the country does. It's hardly a political issue. Um, the Joint Chief of Staff, the heads right. of the military are saying it's time. Colin right. Powell, the previous Joint Chief of Staff, said it's time. So I don't right. think this, is, this isn't the marriage issue. This is a different uh, – Don't Ask, Don't Tell is a very different issue than, than marriage. And I think the public is already there. It's time for Congress to catch up. I agree completely. Can, can we back up a little bit to Scott Brown? Mm-hmm. Because you know what? Yeah. I wanted to say, what do you think? What is what was Massachusetts thinking? I mean, what? Why do you think they made such a jump? Because they're 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 really a blue state, aren't they? Oh, of course. One so of the what? Blues. What happened? Absolutely. I mean, did, did she they... forgot that Kurt Schilling played for the Red Sox? Well, <laughs> that you know what, what what you're pointing out is is is, is accurate. What we had was uh, Martha Coakley. We had two things. Uh, and both of them, are, well, either of the problems are trying to blame the other one. But Martha Coakley was just a bad candidate. You know, she came out and said, they asked her, they said, you know, well, why haven't you really campaigned in urban areas and, and, and black neighborhoods that uh, go strong for Democratic cam- candidates traditionally that came out in large numbers for Obama? Why aren't you campaigning there? And she said, in the quotes in the New York Times somewhere, you can find it, uh, that she said, uh, you know, what do you expect me to do? Stand out and shake hands in the pouring rain or in the cold? Oh. And it's like, well, yes. That's exactly yeah, what we It was the worst campaign run by Democrats in school. Uh, yeah. I can't think of one. It, it really was. I mean, they, they just assumed that she was going to win because it was Ted Kennedy's seat. She was right. a well-known state figure. She had relatively high popularity ratings because she got some good press in her previous office. But her campaign was run, like Hillary Clinton's campaign in uh, late <laughs> mid to late 2007, was run under the assumption that – she was just going to win. Yep. And uh, that's the be- And so they come scrambling two weeks before the election. So that's one problem. The second problem really is that the national narrative. Uh, you know, I want where's where has the leadership been from Barack Obama? And is and is David Axelrod, whose job is supposed to be the political advisor for this administration, is he dead? Has something happened to him? Has he ha- does he have a pulse? I mean, I have no idea. We certainly haven't seen him do any good work. Uh, what we've done is we've allowed the national narrative about the health care bill to slip away into the, into the strange behind-the-scenes legislative process that has become tabloid fair for the media. The Obama administration came out you know, and gave that big speech after all those raucous health care town halls and shored up his p- poll points a little bit. Support for health care reform went back up for a little bit, and then he just disappeared again and let it go back to Congress, which, of course, Congress is just a political mess. So – it's, it's a combination of things. It's that our national political narrative for the Democrats, they thought, 
Obama's in office. We have all of this support. We don't have to do anything else. And then they just, you know, the Democratic Party should only be criticized by Democrats and liberals. That those who those who don't criticize the Democratic Party uh, for their for the past year do so at their own political peril. Uh, you know, they've acted like idiots. And I support 100% almost all the policies they've put through. But there's there's no way you can market yourself uh, to the public as 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 doing the necessary work of reform when you go and one person takes one deal and you say, well, I'm going to filibuster unless I get just this particular deal. And each side is arguing and you have a portion amendments. And so it it became a circus. And uh, I think that that was a referendum on just that process. Liberals stayed home, you know, uh, put, put another Senator in for what we didn't get liberal reform anyway. And so uh, I think that's what we saw happen. And that's what we're going to see happen in 2010 uh, unless the Obama administration and Democrats in Congress step forward and actually put some uh, law pass, you know, what did what did the, I always ask people, what did the Democratic Congress do this last year? Mm-hmm. What you know, people can't tell you anything besides the stimulus package, and we know the political problems of that. Right. So it's well, they got to pass some legislation. They got to pass this health care bill. If they pass this health care bill, I think their chances are going to be a lot better in 2010. So what do you what do you think like your rating in November was let's give Obama a chance last time we talked now mm-hmm. what what is your personal rating on Obama now would you say your um, I have a new hope <laughs> yeah I mean if you would ask me in late December and early January I would have thought at my absolute lowest but he's shifted he's got a new strategy post state of the union and uh, it's one that responds to both the liberal critics of his administration, which is generally um, uh, from where I'm at, and as well his conservative critics of his administration. Uh, he did it by calling for a freeze in spending, which is asinine. I mean, the last time we had a freeze in spending or where we kept away government bureaucracy, I think we included the CDC and then AIDS broke out and they didn't have enough money. And it took mm-hmm. so government spending is just make broken government to make a poorly functioning government. We can intelligently cut spending. We don't have to just do a spending freeze. In fact, when John McCain called for that during his campaign, Obama criticized it, said, you know, we can go in with a scalpel. We don't need to, you know, get rid of the whole thing. That was his line or whatever. Well, okay, I don't know why he changed his mind, but that's a, po- that's a political gesture. He's making a political gesture to the right. He's already given them a gesture, though, plenty and plenty of times. They're still going to call him a socialist that's born in another country that's a radical. So I don't know why he bothers personally, because I don't think it's going to make a difference. And then he responded to his liberal critics. Certainly, Don't Ask, Don't Tell Seeing movement, um, which in the, in the gay community has been some, one of the first that's come out against uh, his slow inaction on liberal policies. But he's also got this message where he's basically saying, you know, Democrats, you have to still do something. I'm still pushing forward with my agenda. And we have to still get things done. We can't just decide we're not going to make any hard votes. We're not going to do any work this year. You know, Democrats have only been in office for about half their term. You know, people people forget that they're only they've only been in for about half this two year session. It's right. about it is half. So they still have half their time left. The idea that they're done now and they can't do anything when we have a 19 senator majority is crazy. We can. There's plenty of stuff we can do. And he called for that, and that's good. Although. I'd like to see more more aggressive stance and more effort on health care. Okay. Um, I, I completely agree with that. I think he needs to be more aggressive. Um, I just mm-hmm. wanted to make one comment, Chase. I've been sure. looking at the f- pictures of you and your video, 
and yeah. you are looking very Kennedy-esque. Kennedy-esque. Yes. Do people suggest, like JFK, do people ever suggest what? that you run for office? No. Oh, oh, me run for office. I, I smoke too much pot, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm a much more <laughs> active person to run for he office. He lives in Cincinnati. I, I, I lived there for 10 years. you got to smoke pot to survive. <laughs> oh, well, that's right. But I'm in Dayton, Ohio here, so, you know. That's even uh, worse. They beat you every year. It's even worse. That's right. I'm an hour away from anything. No, I, I, I'm close to the right I'm, Air Force Base. That's it. There's a combination of factors. You know, first of all, gays don't win elective office very, very well in this country. Secondly, I'm far too abrasive, uh, and, uh, and I don't know that I have the interest because I think you could do a lot more uh, pointing a camera in a good way, not in a Fox News way, pointing a camera at the people who are supposed to be working um, than you can getting in there and not being able to do anything. So right. the big problem for me, and, the, and, and, and uh, you know, we saw Evan Bayh, of course, a conservative senator from Indiana, drop out of Congress unexpectedly today. Mm-hmm. because he's, And he's saying the reason. We don't know what it is. It's pretty abrupt. So, you know, that's when people suspect scandal and all these other bad reasons for dropping out. But right. he There's said the reason was... somewhere waiting to be interviewed, you know? The prostitute's yeah. going to be on TNT. <laughs> exactly. Right. And they told Kennedy he'd never win because he's a Catholic. So yeah. go ahead and run for something. Yeah, exactly. I'll get you elected. Yeah, okay? yeah. It's true. It's true. There's, 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 there's other ways that it, it could, I could go about it, but I, I don't, I don't know. I think the best thing for me to do is to focus on Leave what, Ohio. what we're doing as journalist media, is to focus on the media, the bad media, the the media that's causing all of these problems that I talked about is cable television, Fox News, uh, not just Fox News, but even MSNBC. The idea that we should be getting news in this entertaining way that's causing a lot of the problems we're talking about. That's causing the partisanship and the conflict, and so that's what we're going to focus on. Awesome. Excellent. Now, um, keep up the good work. Every time I see a new video or something that comes out with that involves you and Eric, who's your cameraman, um, mm-hmm. I, I just I just feel like I'm beaming. You know, I love it. I think you're doing a great job, and um, and keep it up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for having us on. We'd love to come on anytime. All right, and thanks for listening, everybody.